Does manual treasury management and operations have your crypto business stuck in the slow lane? Scale up and speed ahead with Fireblocks, the number one platform for crypto operations and trading pros that makes custody, settlement, and rebalancing quick and easy. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all of their crypto assets in one place. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. Eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust, Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into The Scoop. This is a very exciting episode for you. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And joining us today on the other side of the mic is my guest, CL, one of the creators of the infamous or famous, depending on your position, eGirl Capital. I really enjoy having Anons on the show because you and our producer, Dean, were kind of alluding to this. Anons in crypto world, they're almost more at the cutting edge than the traditional VCs or the traditional investors. So they have a better sense of what's BS and what's not. Sure. Yeah. And so before we get into some of that, walk us through like eGirl Capital and how you got into crypto. Sure. I got it in late 18. I went to this uh, very random, just like some crypto meetup. And then I had no clue what it is. I kind of just uh, got dragged into it. And then I realized the idea of Bitcoin and what it was trying to be made total sense to me. And then I dig deeper, found ETH. And then I I remember back, it was like March 2019. I, I found this thing called Dharma and I put like one ETH into it. And I'm like getting a yield of like 2% annualized. And then I was like, wait, this thing is crazy. I just like put my money out in nowhere. And then some random guy came, borrowed that money. And now I'm getting yield. Like that was so mind blowing to me. I was like, yeah, this has to be like the future, like very early version of like, whoa. I don't think people used the term DeFi that much back then, but yeah. And then later, fast forward, I ended up becoming a trader because like back holding spot just like didn't make money, right? So... I went into trading, traded for a firm, crit, and then like traded on my own. And then in 20, I think it was like early Q3, probably right as like Wi-Fi was starting. I made this meme. It was basically like a very like joke of a name next to like some legitimate VCs in the space. It was just an image of that 
next to legit names. So like that contrast was kind of funny. But people were like, wait, this is like hilarious and we need to make it real. And then they did make it like a chat room of like, I think Daryl Lau made the chat room. And then he after he made it, he just immediately left because he was like, oh, I'm doxxed. So this is not for me. Like you guys go ahead. So actually he made this into a thing. I made the first meme. And since then, like the 14 of us kind of just like became friends over time. Mostly at first was just like sharing live stories, sharing alpha. So we got pretty tight after a few months. And then like one day, Eva, Eva Balin went on and they made it into like a legal entity. So then we can actually like punt into deals. But again, very early on, we realized, wait, there's a few of us, there's like too many like cult followers, like almost like, because like Loom, Dejan Spartan, the, these people have really big accounts. So like we kind of are aware, like we cannot abuse this following as a way of just like investing in any, literally anything and just like having an audience to almost sell into kind of thing. Yeah. So you realize that the group think or the collaborative approach would be the best avenue to squeeze alpha out of this market. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I feel like it was very beneficial for most people. Actually, everyone, yeah, after we made this. Because then it's just very powerful, right? It's like 14. Like most of us are very well-known already coming out of like a bear market. And we all survived it, doing well in DeFi summer. Yeah, and just like none of us scammed. So it's like, it's, it's just a clean name, clean reputation back then. So there is more... VCs that were like setting up like deal flow chat rooms with us and uh, more just like projects hitting us up than we expected. So I think that was around like early 2021 when like a lot of these VCs were setting up these chat rooms with us. And we were like, wow, this is impressive. We did not expect like such a name to have a lot of legitimacy. So let's try to lay out to the listener exactly what e-girl is and maybe i'm misunderstanding it people realize it's this group right these are like top investors market participants in the space but there's this collaborative aspect that's unlike anything you'd probably see in traditional markets when a team or a project approaches you does it get put to the entire group like how do you guys get buy-in across this team that's more of a cadre of folks than a team per se. Do you guys all go in together or is it more of a community? Like, how would you describe it? Because it's not like a CMS or a proper prop shop or something. Right. There is no like founder and then like head trader and then like someone that specifically does the venture or, and none of us are like getting paid except like a few interns. That's the thing I always wonder, like we go back and forth, we talk with you guys at the block, but like there's no corporate structure per se, not to get too much into the nitty gritty. Right. Actually, I've never like worked for a firm that had like a really like thing. <laughs> so I have nothing to compare to, but this is like almost like a friend group. And like, actually no one, like there's no single person that brings in the deals. It's always very random. It's like one day, like say... Oh, Mooney, Hedgehog, FJ, like DevOps fan, 109 fan, 
can be literally anyone scoopy like Bloomberg just like forwards a random telegram message and the message is something like hey loom i know you're an e-girl like who do i reach out to but let me know if this project interests you or something and then the, it's a link to a pdf that's some sort of deck or document of their project and then they just forward it to the whole group and they like ping us and they're like yo they want a response in like a week or whatever time frame and then like we all kind of give a feedback Personally, I I just fought everything throughout 2021 because I was like, dude, guys, people are paying like a stupid amount of funding to long everything, every shitcoin, every like Bitcoin ETH too. And like these valuations are so high. Like it was very hard for me to like say yes on anything. Not to interrupt you, but just to really like unpack this. Yeah. Do you all need to say yes, or will sometimes like, okay, like CL's super conservative on this one or is super skeptical on this one, but everyone else will do it? Or is it like, if it comes to e-girl, we all need to get buy-in? Yes. So if one person is very firmly no, then it's it's a no. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, continue on. So you were very skeptical at that point. Yeah, which is why we haven't gotten into that much, just because, like, there's a few of us that are not allowing a lot of the things to happen. And, and, like, admittedly, a lot of decks that were sent to us were indeed, like, I would say, like, mediocre tier. There's very few that were, like, very obvious, like, it was a yes for everyone. It was, like, Arbitrum, Connects, like, not many projects that was just, like, very clean yes. And so sometimes, like, some of us have, like, a firm no, but then, like, we can, like, try to talk them out of it so it ends up being a yes it just depends it's all like a friend group okay so now here we are the last anon we had on the show or proper anon loomdart's not really as anon as it used to be when loomdart was on he said the market would not see a 2017 like cycle so maybe you know everything's down 80 percent whatever and that was December. March, shake up the whiteboard. Everything's different. There's geopolitical risk. Fed's going to hike rates. Crypto is crabbing or not looking hyper bullish. Do we go lower? Like, how are you thinking of the broader market dynamics as it pertains to crypto? And are you an outlier relative to the other e-girl folks or not? Wait, sorry, outlier in what sense? In terms of like, so there's the first part of the question, which is all this seemingly bearish stuff going on in the market. How do you view that impacting crypto? And maybe not even e-girl specific, but the people you talk to, like, is everyone really bearish right now? Or are people getting more aggressive on deals? How are people acting relative to this backdrop? Right. So I would say I'm not super focused on ventures but from what i've seen the valuations did come down a bit but nowhere close to like the actual market like ETH is down like i think 50 percent. but but i feel like yeah valuations have definitely not come down as much but partly also because of like there's some big like traditional maybe a small group a handful of them that are just like aping into pretty ridiculous deals i would say like very very large size very there's like minimal discounts and then like very long-term unlocks and 
not sure why. And the geopolitical stuff, like, I want to be very straightforward that I have no clue what is happening because, like, I don't really read the news. And I feel like that's just, like, the way I've been trading. I just trade purely on flow. And by that, I just means, like... Momentum. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, like, momentum. I, I go through, like, every major exchange that I, I think impacts this market. And then I see the trading that, that's going on there. So, like, say, for example, last 10 days, I see almost no action in, like, spot markets. The buying, almost negligible. Like, the selling, like, almost none. Like, this is, like, actually nothing is happening, like, last 10 days. So, when, when I see stuff like this, I don't have a strong opinion. And thus, I am just... I've been positioned in stables for a long time. And I feel like now it's probably better time to buy than sell. But... I still can't bring myself to buy. Maybe because like I'm also like being <laughs> hit by all these FUD. But yeah, I, I would just say like the leverage was like wiped in early December. And since then, the market slowly continued delevering up until like late January. And I feel like markets have just delevered to an extent that at least this is in Bitcoin and ETH, right? Because like these two have like a massive derivative market tens of billions on stake on futures and yeah positioning on all this money is very defensive so it's hard for me to see a large drawdown like randomly a day where we lose 20 percent. like it's very hard for me to see that just because how defensive that money is positioned and like when money is positioned defensively in that way it just means like there is a by pressure, pretty much every dollar we keep drawing down. So, yeah, it, it is pretty hard for me to see a, like another major leg down. Yeah. I think you answered the question really succinctly there. So you agree we're not going to see a 2017 cycle, but on the micro side of it, as an individual trader, given the lack of action, the uncertainty that exists even though you're not necessarily like reading every news article, that amount of uncertainty mixed with the lack of momentum isn't making you bearish per se. It's just resulting in you not necessarily knowing where to make a big move, perhaps. Right. Yeah. So like my personality and trading style have changed slightly. So I would say about one and a half a year ago, I started focusing on pretty much having zero drawdowns. So I only really like enter a position if I'm like very high conviction. And at the moment, I would say I'm nowhere near that any type of conviction to enter some sort of position. Yeah. Got it. But if I was like gun to head, I would like, I, I, I would long just because like, I don't really care about the news. It's just like the amount of money that I've de-risked and positioned defensively if there's purely no context at all, and I look at this, I would buy, yes. Gone to head. Yes. But you wouldn't be the only buyer, I think. And I hope this isn't cope. I hope this isn't hopium. But if you look at the amount of traditional venture capital pouring into crypto, that's the tailwind. Sure, crypto is a risk asset. You look at the ARC chart. Larry tweeted that out this morning. I mean, it's brutal. Dimes to donuts looks like any ICO chart. So 
your mind might go, okay, this is bad for crypto, but there is just so much money and not to meme the institutional money on the sidelines, but there's bidders when stuff draws lower. Right. It seems like all, all these projects will at least have money to like keep building, right? So that's definitely good. Um, I remember back, back in 18, 19, um, that was definitely not the case. Like raising money for a project was like almost like <laughs> doing that itself is almost like just gives people a bad taste because like they got so wrecked on the ICOs. Like all coins in general just had a bad taste and like it was so popular to be like only Bitcoin for a long time. So what do you think needs to change? What are you looking for in the market or the charts that will get you from, I need a gun to my head to buy or to allocate aggressively to, okay, I'm ready to go back to spray and pray mode. So one thing that keeps me from buying currently is well, uh, uh, most money is defensive. They are not like hating crypto yet. So, like after the May drawdown and like there was a consistent wave of like Chinese flood every week, it was like, oh, Bitcoin's banned in China, but like no one really know what was going on. It was just like random headline being pushed out, and then like for a long time there was actual buyers bidding, but price did not go up because like there was a ton of short sellers that were like shorting into these actual buyers. When I see like stuff like that and like open interest pile up and price, I just feel like like if there's a lot of shorts opening, then you know that's like a guaranteed buying pressure that's going to happen. So right now I see a lack of longing, if that makes more sense. Like market just refuses to long. I feel like instead of like being heavy short, if that makes sense. So if the market was like a bit more shorted, I would be much more comfortable buying because like, Shorts are very powerful as a support for the market. The ambiguity of the market reflects the ambiguity of your position right now. Market is kind of not long or short, and you're kind of not long or short. It's that simple. Right. I, I guess it is just that simple. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, like maybe people take it like, too far, like doing a lot of analysis on, okay, like, I think the stock market is going to do this, and then Putin does that, and then Taiwan does this, and sus, we're going to do this. Like, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, I just look at the derivatives. Having trouble keeping pace with the crypto boom? When your business is scaling up and your portfolio is growing, you don't want to waste precious time on manual treasury management or settling and rebalancing. Fireblocks can handle that for you with smart, scalable solutions for your crypto business, along with industry-leading security and expertise. They'll take care of the back end so you can focus on the big picture. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime. 
an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all their crypto assets in one place. Coinbase Prime fully integrates crypto trading and custody on a single platform and gives clients the best all-in pricing in their network using their proprietary smart order router and algorithmic execution. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have already used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Build a unified investment portfolio with one of the most trusted names in crypto. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. Are you eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com now. So there's a lot to unpack here. Gaming, you think there's a lot of froth there? Um, yeah, definitely. I feel like gaming is very similar to like somewhat like fashion. It, it just comes and goes. Like people play a game for like a year or two and then like the hype kind of just dies. It's very, very hard for a game to have like a decade long plus interest right like there, you can only name like a few dozen games and most have done that currently so out of like i don't know how many games have ever been made right so that's an interesting point it's kind of like maybe there's a short term there's short term opportunity in playing yeah it's mostly short term i think yeah but not a long term did you see this report we put out today on they're trying to kickstart a gaming project, but this might be an example of the sort of thing you might not touch with a 10-foot pole. But it's kind of interesting. We got like our hands on this deck, or Ryan Weeks did on our team. Yuga, which is the sort of business behind Board Apes, they made $127 million in net revenue last year, which is pretty crazy. But they want to broaden this out to create some sort of gaming-focused metaverse named Meta RPG. It's sort of, you know, you'll have it compatible with a host of NFT games. I mean, like, it's kind of putting you on the spot here, but at the very least, it, like, illustrates this convergence of, you know, NFTs with gaming and metaverse, like, all of these things, although they appear to be different categories, are kind of the same or at least intertwined. Yeah, somewhat intertwined. But, I mean, NFTs itself is very diverse. Like, it can literally be, like, part of a game. It's just some random artist thing. Like, you buy it, and it's, you're almost just, like, pretty much being a patron because, like, you can't really find liquidity to sell, like, a, any artist one-of-one one almost, right? Like, except, like, maybe, like, five names. Like, one, one of them being, like, Beeple or someone, like, Otherwise, like, there's, like, countless of, like, these artists. And that's not, like, really part of anything. It's just, like, some sort of, like, patron thing going on there. And then and then you have these collection stuff that is more, 
related to games because like games kind of like so far from like a bunch of tiny games i talked to they seem to want to like import these like bigger collections into part of the game so like the users of or the owners of these whatever collections can like enter the game as their themselves and as for like if i want to comment on this board ape thing actually if a game is to be like semi-sustainable at least in terms of like attention it would be like like this i can see this just because like there's so much big personalities backing it and these personalities almost have their own brand too so it's like pretty powerful i would say say snoop dogg for example he's like pretty big and then he's almost got his own brand and it's like and now he's like part of like their thing like correct me if i'm wrong i think he has a crypto punk and is in sandbox but the point remains like there's a lot of attention there's a lot of celebrities galvanizing behind board apes you know you'd put that in the bullish bucket like what can you create with a bunch of celebrities on your side you can probably create a lot but you have a twitch channel you play a lot of online games at least i think to some extent yeah not too big not as much as maybe you used to but you like league of legends yeah being a avid player of games does not make you necessarily an expert in like the development or or sort of like the process by which you can make a game successful but i find it kind of interesting that you don't necessarily see like that being your big 10x opportunity but do you see the potential for crypto disrupting the way that games exist today it can definitely like help just like in-game liquidity just for like these items one thing i was thinking a while ago was that there's a lot of people that pays to watch a live game of just like gamers playing games and like that's pretty crazy to me well, well now it's like much more free that used to happen um and then um, the amount of like money sponsors get just from like having their name being shout out in the middle of like some sort of like esport competition is also like like a lot and so I, I was thinking about like how this attention economy works in in games and this it does seems like the way board apes is doing things kind of makes sense to me actually like they do seem super smart in like the people they try to like go after and i don't know if they go after people and like convince them to join or anything but like the people that have joined so far seems pretty pretty strong to me if i have to be honest yeah and then they have like this metaverse land thing and i'm usually so bearish on metaverse land just because like it's literally like a infinite supply like people copy paste okay new world new land like the supply is infinite right but but then it only works if you have a reason to be in on a specific world in like whatever metaverse right because then it's like wait board apes has all these celebrities that's like scarcity right because like they own the scarcity of these attention these celebrities have and then it's like okay if all of them are in this metaverse then the value of whatever land is just gonna automatically pump just because like people are like oh if, if if it means for me to like buy this thing and i am able to like interact with like this person i like then it they will buy it if it's a small sum to spend for them right so it is kind of powerful to me that and, and i think that's generally how any land would have any value if ever it's an interesting point it's like 
Maybe there could be scarcity in land, like right. There, there has to be scarcity in some way, right? Like there's scarcity in the amount of celebrities in the world is what I'm trying to say. Like there's only one Snoop Dogg. Yeah, and there's only like like say you really like this content producer, right? Like he builds like really awesome looking worlds. Whatever I see through my VR goggles is just like breathtaking. Okay, fine. Like this is this guy's a good artist, right? Okay, that's that's scarcity. But then it's like it's basically just content, right? Content rules the world right now. So what do you think of the VR stuff like Oculus and looking at the metaverse through these headsets and stuff? Do you think that's going to catch on with people? Oh, yeah, of course. So I've been reading a bunch of articles on just like, why is it powerful, right? Like, what is so good about a VR headset? And then I came across someone that pointed me into a super 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 interesting direction and this person was saying okay there's a bunch of transgender people in vr uh most of them uses girl avatars like he ran a survey across them and they were much happier of themselves in vr than they were like looking at an actual mirror in real life right you can be more yourself so i was very mind blown and then i read I just digged very deep, much deeper into like a bunch of like related topics. Then there was just like another fascinating thing where it's like if you put a bunch of adults into a VR headset and what the adults see in the VR headset is that they are a child. After like an hour or two, they start literally acting like a child just because like the human brain is so elastic. They start even like underestimating like the body size of like their limb just because they have been like literally psyopsed into being a child. This is all because like there's a cognitive term called presence. Presence is like basically feeling like you're actually there and then being able to see body languages is very powerful. Like if I talk to you like over text, we might run into like miscommunication just because, oh, I don't know what facial muscles you're moving. I don't know what body languages you're doing. Like you could be friendly, but I interpret it as upset or like aggressive. So Stuff like that is just much more immersive. That is such a good point. Imagine if you could sort of like bear witness to the internet or web 2.0 in a three-dimensional way. Like that's kind of what this is, 3D internet or immersive internet. Right. Although like this will take a while to play out. One thing I am looking next year or two, if, if valuation comes down a lot in like primary or like just like the venture side, I think it would be much more attractive for me to finally start saying like yes to a lot of the deals rather than, oh, this is a bubble and we cannot do this or that. Yeah. Since we started the conversation about your like background, how you got into the space, you threw one ETH into Dharma, you were, you know, your eyes watered at a, you know, double digit yield, which isn't easy to find in traditional markets. That was your entryway. I think a lot of people found their entryway into that like first phase of, of DeFi. We called it open finance at the block back then. Is there going to be a resurgence or what do you think of DeFi right now? And is it over? Is it all ogre? <laughs> um, so like this is not even relevant to like DeFi's like progress. This is just like pure market side is like, there's so much projects, like actually mind blowing, like how easily you can raise just calling yourself DeFi and then like 
just like the amount of money on paper right now is still trillions that's unlocked. Actually, maybe not trillions. I don't know, right? Like maybe with Nuke to a point, it's only like single trillion. Hopefully, <laughs> that's still on paper unlocked yet to like be like yeah yet to be unlocked. Like this, like just because how much do you have done like been aped into like over like especially twenty twenty one. And then the amount of projects that's going to be listed on these exchanges, so much, so much attention, like being dispersed, so much coins to choose as a buyer, so much liquidity fragmented into all these projects. It was like the Cambrian explosion happened. And then like all these animals are trying to like fight for resources to live. And then, yeah, it's hard for me to be bullish on the price of a single project when there is so much going on, like so much tokens to like for the buyers to choose from, right? Like actually one really smart guy, he he was telling me like the reason Link of a SNX pumped so hard like earlier on in, in the cycle was especially Link, right? It was because it was pretty much the most liquid DeFi bet, right? These were the most liquid DeFi bets you can make. And then after like the ma major like raise start happening, like uh, so much more projects happened, like a ton of Anon came into the space they built a lot of like awesome things, but it was just like unfortunate how much competition there is for like, especially attention wise for like new entries coming into this market to buy any token. Like they can choose like hundreds of DeFi tokens to like ape into like, so it's just like hard for price for me to like see a strong outperformance, especially against like say ether. So like, I, I think the space is keep going to keep growing, but not necessarily the token prices, if that makes sense. It's almost like it became, from a price perspective, a victim of its own success. Right, yeah. And just how easy people can keep spinning up new things. Like, oh, three new things spin up, and then another guy comes in, he's like, wait, I, I can like copy-paste from two of them and make another new thing that's slightly better and then like the, he raised another like 20 mil and then <laughs> i don't know it's just this, this thing just keeps going on right like but what about like there are improvements being made there are swaps being improved like there's improvement to the infrastructure the way in which you engage the ux the underpinning liquidity provisioning this stuff is getting better is there a way to quantify like, okay, this DeFi platform is better? Is there just too many that it's hard to pinpoint? It's not like marginally, like nothing's coming out. It's, it's an order of magnitude better. Right. Yeah. Things that are magnitudes better have definitely slowed down, especially into like 2021, just because like, there's no incentive for you to like daydream for like two weeks about a grand idea and then like another month to build it when you can like buy a doge fork and be up like 20x next day right like yeah i feel like this market just suffers from this problem like it's like okay during the year of like real froth like there's no incentive to do almost anything else other than be a market participant that's actively like searching for ways to make money through pretty much just the market yeah and like e even builders are like like they're literally retiring out of a project and these talents are kind of just like retiring like doing these moves right so it's like like these moves are in in a way kind of bad for them for the dev side almost but now it's 
it's probably better. There, Frost is down. I see a lot of new builders come in, but I've just kind of like started getting back into crypto after like a pretty long break, I'd say. Or, sorry, I was not on the break. I was just like less involved. This was really fun. Can't wait for this to come out. Where can our listeners follow you, learn about what you're doing, follow your, your colleagues, and any passion project you're working on that you, you might want people to know about? Any major updates, we just put it up on at ego underscore capital on Twitter. And you can just, or just go to egocapital.com. Like the member list is there. And if you click it, it just links to Twitter. So you can just check us out there. We will do that. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning into the show. CL from eGirl Capital, thanks for joining us. Had fun. Thanks. And hopefully we will see you and our guests back very soon.